What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Rich Habanowski on here, as we always do. And how are you doing, Rich? I'm doing Mary. Is that an adjective? Um, I would never describe myself as Mary. I don't know. Maybe it is? I'm holly jolly. I don't know. We're get, It's Christmas, y'all. Let's get into it. Christmas has snuck up on me, by the way. Like, I can't believe it's five days away. I got a lot of gifts I still got to get. I'm really frustrated. Yeah, no, I actually today was like the day I rushed over and got some Christmas stuff. I don't do much Christmas shopping. Um, I'll tell you though, I love, I, I absolutely, I love Christmas. I hated it for a really long time before I met my wife, who's insanely obsessed with it, like truly, truly obsessed with it. Like, what is, is like fully down and does play Christmas music in the summer. And is is into it, <laughs> uh, yeah. and now I love it. I think it's a, a wonderful season. You seem like a holiday guy. I mean, you were big on Thanksgiving, Christmas. I've always been big on Thanksgiving. Some big on food, but yeah, I don't know. Christmas is really. I I love just like chill. I love bad movies too. So I think that's a thing now, especially with Netflix really just lighting it up. With like, <laughs> I watched one. <laughs> This one's new on Netflix. I actually recommend it low key. It's called The Night Before Christmas, but with a K. And it's about Vanessa Hudgens, uh, like some dude travels through time from medieval times and like she gets her shining knight in, in armor, or knight in shining armor or whatever. It's, it's a very literal interpretation of that. And it's uh, awful and dope. <laughs> What's the best Christmas movie, Rich? I, from my money, it's the Santa Claus. Okay, I'm going with Elf. Elf is mine. So Elf is actually really good. It's like truly high quality, but I need I need it to be kind of stupid too. So like I will I Elf will, isn't stupid. No, Elf Elf is legitimately funny. Like okay. it, it's legitimately like a well made comedy. Okay. The Santa Claus is about Tim Allen accidentally murdering Santa Claus. <laughs> And then he has to become Santa Claus. And then the second one is about how he needs to find a Mrs. Santa Claus. And the third one is about uh, Jiminy Glick becoming his evil nemesis. And they fight a war between like some stupid Mr. Frost. And listen, it's great. I will, I can and will and have and will watch all three movies this Christmas. Got it. And I just became aware, this is thanks to uh, Kevin Fippin. Is that how you say his last name? 
Yes, it is. That Die Hard is a Christmas movie or it's a joke that it's like is or is not a Christmas movie? I think it's, yeah. I mean, it's been a dad joke forever. Just because it's like set during the holidays? Because I've actually never seen Die Hard. I have not either. Really? I've realized recently that I haven't seen so many classic movies and I'm just like slowly starting to check them off. Yeah, you said you watched Shawshank Redemption? Yeah, and then last night I started watching The Green Mile before I realized it was three hours and only got halfway through. Oof, the green marathon. Right. Uh, I, that was I terrible. Actually, <laughs> I've, I've never seen Shawshank Redemption. I'm sure it's great. I have that issue. Oh, so. You seem to be embracing it, but I have an issue where if a film was made too long ago, I get, like, I get worried. It's got to be either a home run. I'm sure it is. But so I haven't seen The Godfather. I haven't either. <laughs> everyone just oh we're getting so much crap yeah for sure for sure that's gonna be rough (laughs) shawshank redemption was amazing though like anything with an old morgan freeman or a young morgan freeman it's just it's quality i can't believe that i just admitted in a public forum that i have (laughs) seen the night before christmas right but not the godfather (laughs) (laughs) i think we should get down to business let's Uh, do it Let's recap. Um, we don't. We're not going to do a f- like a full game breakdown, but we can give you the pertinent details of this Kings Pacers game because we want to, with the majority of this episode, do a kind of a trade machine uh, bonanza. Yeah, trades are a hot topic right now, with most of the league becoming trade eligible after that December deadline of of recently signed players being eligible. But yes, the Kings just played the third game of this road trip in Indiana, ended up losing 119 to 105. And they started okay. And then it really just was a slew of turnovers that came about in that third quarter. Like Sacramento definitely is guilty of at times and really got destroyed in that second half uh buddy healed continues to struggle seven points one of nine from three bialito one of seven from three himself everybody except Rashawn holmes had a rough one and bagley bagley played well himself 17 points five rebounds on six of 12 definitely good to see Rashawn holmes back to his normal self 20 and nine i mean he missed one shot nine of ten yeah, you know, on field goals. That that's just that's the Rashawn Holmes that we know and love. So that's really good to see. But yeah, I don't know how you can, I don't know how you can win a game if, you know, if Heald, Barnes, and Bealitz are going to combine for three made threes. I mean, this team, they only made ten threes. Right, and no bogey in this game, uh, as well as no Ariza. And Justin James got himself some minutes. He got 24 minutes in this one, 5 of 11, 3 of 5 from deep. I really liked what I saw from him. Well, yeah, 10 threes team-wide, three of them from Justin James. I mean, he had his <laughs> – like, yeah, like, like, that's crazy, right? But he had as many threes as healed Barnes and Bealitsa combined. Half of the team's threes came from Corey Joseph and Justin James. As yeah. You tell me that, I'll tell you that they lost. So Exactly. Yeah, really upset that Harry Giles is the only player oh, man. to not see the floor on the roster, available roster tonight. So I, I don't know. That's, I mean, honestly, maybe that leads into our trade segment right there because I, so I was doing a lot of trade machine work today 
And there were a lot of times where it made some sense to put Harry Giles in the trade if the Kings are truly out on him. But listen, I will never condone a trade of Harry Giles. I will never condone a trade of Harry Giles. I will also never condone a trade of Bogdan Bogdanovich. However, it seems like those are the two likely moves that the Kings would make that are not logical. Yeah. Um, and then the other ones, if were if they became sellers, it would be Bielitsa and Ariza. Um, and these were all sort of difficult. Like you said, I was messing with the trade uh, trade machine most of the day today as well, preparing for this. And you said it on the last episode. I totally agree with you. There's no trade to me that the Kings can make that makes them better right now or really long-term. Like there's not a trade that I see being ideal for the Sacramento roster. Um, and there's some where, you know, maybe they're debatable, but for the most part, I would stand pat, but it's interesting to play with this a little bit. You know, if Sacramento really starts to lose a lot of games, they could dump in Ariza Bielitsa. Um, if they get a call for bogey that they feel like they can't turn down, then maybe that's a possibility. Like you mentioned them being, uh, seemingly out on Giles. It's this time of year, so we figured we'd explore it a little bit. So here's the thing. Yeah, I, I mean, we need, I think we need to preface this by saying that there aren't really any trades that we fully condone or support. I, I mean, yeah, I thought it was going to be a super hot take to say that I, I don't see a trade that makes sense for this team right now. But like you said, there aren't many trades out there that make a ton of sense. I think there are trades that improve this team in the short term. I think that most of those involve a first-round pick. But I don't see any trades that make sense in the long term to improve the team uh, or like in the intermediate term. Uh, let me rephrase that. There is a way to get worse this year and get better in the future. And there's a way to get better this year get worse in the future or, you know, worse than you could be getting if you kept picks and all that. Um, I don't see there being many options that both keep hopes alive for this season and make sense for the future. So that's why I'm kind of coming up a little bit empty, but let me ask you this. The way that I started doing this to, to try to build out my trade machine uh, trade concepts here was actually thinking about what are the needs for this Kings team. And I really couldn't come up with much, but let's, let's try to do this. Do you have any needs that like pop to mind? Anything pop to mind? A long-term pairing next to Bagley. Um, yeah. Most, most of what I did is okay. If we're moving this guy, this is what I would want in return. Because like you're saying, I mean, there's not a need right now. This is a 10, 11, 12 man roster. Yes, that is one of the – I only got two down on paper, but that is one of them, uh, long-term front court partner for Bagley. That, that is great. I don't know that any of them are really truly available. Um, I don't either. And we still don't know, is that a four or a five? Like, I have one. I have one. Uh, I'll get to in a second. But any other needs? The only other need that I could come up with was more wing depth because – that will never hurt. And I kind of put as a slash to that more wing depth slash upgrade Ariza. 
because I'm I'm low on Ariza. Uh, I mean, or you, I mean, you can look at it either way. Ariza can hang hang around, and we got extra wing depth, or just straight up upgrade him. I think that still could be helpful. Interesting. Yeah, I, I see that. So, were did you have like buyers trades, and then if Kings were becoming sellers as trades, like yes, okay, and I think that there's going to be. Those trades aren't going to make a ton of sense right now, uh, but because I mean it's just that it's too early to fully sell out the season, right? But I, okay, so let's kick it off. I got one here. It's gonna be. It's gonna sound like fully nonsense, and that's what a lot of trade machine trades well, are. Can I mention some of the trades that were win now trades that happened at last year's uh, during the season last year for Please some do. comps. So one that's interesting to me, kind of makes me think of a Bielita Riza level player, is uh, Reggie Bullock for Sfima Kyluk and a second round pick. Um, I'm sorry, do you think this is a win now trade? No, I'm saying these are well for the um, for the Lakers. That was a very slight win now move. <laughs> it didn't work, and they didn't win, and they didn't win now. Certainly, right? But they were going for a little upgrade. Right. You know? That's a bad example of a win now trade. But okay. So, Sorry to criticize you. No, you're fine. You're fine. Like, I think when I think of a win now trade, I think of you give up a first. Okay. Well, I did smaller ones here, mainly looking at if it were to move Bielitsa or Ariza, which would be something like a second or two seconds that I had pulled. So, okay. That's if you want to go into, I, I have one trade that is like a total outlier that addresses the thing about the front court with Bagley. And okay. I, it's only it's only one, and it's a total pipe dream. Go ahead, because I don't have one of those. Because I, I and I think after that we can get into a big murky bunch of like win now versus sell. Right. This okay. one is like the only trade I could think of that is truly would win now and help in the future, and I don't think it's going to make any sense to anybody. Um, Let's hear what but, you got. All right, you ready for this? It, it's gonna. I'm gonna sound like an idiot. <laughs> That's going to be this whole episode for both of us. All right. The team we just watched play the Kings, the Pacers. Oh, okay. This is we know Miles it's Miles Turner. We know that they have both, you know, two guys that are probably best at center position in Sabonis and Turner. And we know that they just spent their first round pick on another center in Goga Bitsa. I don't know why I tried to say his name. <laughs> Batadze, I believe. Goga Bitadze. So there is a log jam there, and it's not like it's a bad problem to have, and the Pacers look really, really good, and so they probably aren't looking to resolve this situation in any way at all. Sabonis and Turner aren't on terrible contracts. You, you would think that there may be a better scenario for them out there if they could just turn you know, Sabonis into that equal of value of a small forward or something. They might do it, or a power forward, more of a true power forward. They might do it. All right, I'm just gonna spit up the trade out, and it's it's gonna. I just want to sound like an idiot. Miles Turner for Bogdan Bogdanovich, Dwayne Dedman, and an unprotected first round pick. Is that even enough to like bring them into the conversation? Um, I think it might be. I, I think that Miles Turner isn't quite having the improvement trajectory that they hoped. I definitely expected him to be taking a bigger step uh, on the offensive end. And ooh, it's, 
It's interesting. Uh, I definitely like Turner's fit next to Bagley. Yeah, so that's exactly like you know what I'm saying. We're we're talking about long term fit with Bagley. That's the that's it. Like Miles Turner is the ideal fit next to Bagley, right? He is. He is. He's got a four year contract. He's 23 years old. Yeah. Um, he's a lights a out protector. Protector can shoot it with the best of them, best of the bigs. I mean, so my idea here is you send back Deadman at least as a placeholder to say, listen here's a center that can shoot hypothetically <laughs> right right so like here's like here's like the poorest man's poor man of miles turners we'll give you that our unprotected 2021st and bogdan bogdanovich and so the reason that i think that that is not over so so Dwayne edmund's still a negative on his contract right now so right the first, you know, the first is a significant positive, but Bogey is expiring. You would have to assume that they would want his to resign him. You know, maybe they can even. I, I don't know. The problem there is that they've got Oladipo, Brogdon, Lamb, and then right. Bogey. That's they got four guards. You'd have to. I mean, I, Tim would be mad you didn't mention T.J. Warren. Well, he's not a guard. He's six. Oh, eight. right, right, right. So, so, yeah, so, I mean, I mean, that's like, you know, how do you fit those four guys together? I don't know. Is Oladipo going to be healthy? I don't know. Is Lamb super healthy? I don't know. You know, Brogdon has injury concerns too. Luckily, you know, Brogdon, Lamb are 6'5". Bogey is allegedly 6'6", some places, depends. So I trust that Indiana could figure it out, and their coaching staff and their development is good enough to, A, make Dedman learn how to shoot again, B, get Bogdanovich to play competent small forward and see that they might enjoy that first round pick rather than <laughs> paying two centers like $40 million. You came in here spicy off the first one. Extremely spicy. I, and it involves trading bogey. But again, if you're angry at me, listen to when I said I will never condone trading bogey or Harry Giles because there's no need to. But listen, I mean, Sam Amick came out and said he could see a possibility where the Kings decide to trade Bogey for financial reasons. And if he thinks that, then I think it's a real possibility. Right. Oh, man. I I could talk myself into this one. And I think that Indiana could do the same. I mean, the Sacramento draft pick is – could be a lottery pick. There's a good chance that that is in the lottery or right near it. And, yeah, I mean, it really comes down to, like we said – how do Oladipo, Brogdon, and Bogdanovich all fit alongside each other? I mean, I guess all three of those guys kind of can play between one to three. So somewhat, and maybe you try to fit that. I think that Indiana probably would just be happy with the Turner and Sabonis that they got going on. I think that's working out better than most expected it to. But... I, you came in with a good one. I, I could get behind this, even though I would prefer Bogdanovich. And I think that Bagley long-term, we've both said it is a five. Um, but I mean, Miles Turner almost does play like a four on offense, similar to how I've said, I like Deadman working next to hypothetically working next to Bagley. I mean, from the King side at that point, you're left with Fox, Buddy, Barnes, Bagley, Turner as your starting five for the next 
you know, however many years you can keep that together. And that's not a bad situation. Right. It's definitely not. And then you have nothing else, but that's fine. You got nothing else, but you can't have more than five good players in this right. league anyway. And they're young. Except yeah. Buddy. All those guys are really young. But you're getting younger. So, right. Yeah. Right. Oof. Okay. Yeah. All right. I had to get that crazy one off my oh, chest. Oh, man. But, yeah. but then now we can move to more traditional, less exciting, you know, win now, by now. Do you have – I mean, there's got to be some other examples of, of win now trades. Uh, kind of, yeah. So, hmm. I mean, uh, there was a straight-up one that was interesting to me. This was the one that I, I spent the most time thinking about. What do you feel about straight-up Bogdan Bogdanovich to the 76ers for Josh Richardson? They are the same age. Josh Richardson is night and day on defense compared to Bogdan Bogdanovich. Obviously, the difference is the playmaking for others with Bogdanovich, but Richardson is good at creating his own shot, and their shooting splits really are not that different. This one was thrown at us off Reddit, actually, and it surprised me when I looked into it a little bit more. I mean, I do really like Josh Richardson for what he supplies on both ends. Yeah, so here's the thing. At a certain point, we've got to accept that none of these trades are going to make sense unless we, we suppose the, pre, the, the pretext of the Kings do not plan to re-sign Bogdanovich. At right. which point, this is a home run. Yeah, because Josh Richardson, that's two years on top of what's ever left on this one on a nice deal. Why would the 76ers do that, though? Because they need the, the creation off the ball. I, I think that the difference between those two guys, like, like I mentioned, is, is the creation, the self-creation that Bogdanovich can bring and being a closer at times. I think that Philadelphia could really use that. Um, yeah, that, that'd be my logic behind it, is that they have the defense that can sort of not hide Bogdanovich because I think he's passable, that they would take an offensive upgrade for, uh, in exchange for a little bit of defense. So that makes sense to me for this season, but they have 148 million on the books next year, and and Bogey would right. be so that you know chop off the 10 million for Richardson. They're at 138, and they've got to re-sign Bogey or accept the fact that they just gave up Josh Richardson for nothing. Right. So this is the thing. Like I've seen a ton of Bogey to Philly trades. I've seen a ton. Every Philadelphia 76ers fan once Bogdan Bogdanovich, and it doesn't make any fucking sense at all. What do you, I mean, you're going to, I mean, what are you going to do? You're just going to let him go, right? Like there's no other way around that. And like yeah. even our guys like, you know, Sixers Adam, who we love and respect and enjoy his writing very much. He, I saw him put out a fake trade on Twitter. Um, it was a insult <laughs> in my opinion. It was <laughs> basically it was Zaire Smith, in a in a second round pick for Bogey, so it was pretty insulting because that's not moving any needles for Sacramento whatsoever. But so even at that point, like, is it just is that under the pretext of we're going to use Bogey for this year and then let him walk? Right for the Josh Richardson one, I don't think that makes the most sense. Now this one is interesting, and I don't think that Philadelphia would do this, but if they decided to really go all in on this year. If you got back Thibel, done. 
would you do it? Done. Yeah? He has been ridiculous this year. Done. And I'll tell you what, I think I would do this. I think I might even do this, period. I, this might be my one exception to the financial thing. Nobody thought Thibault was going to sh- – he's shooting 46% from three this year on a decent amount of attempts. He shot 62 of them this year, um, a little upwards of two a game. Yeah, that one is uh, – that one's interesting. What's the full trade? It's Thibault and Scott. Thibault and Mike Scott. And no picks. Yeah, I mean, do you think Sacramento would have to include a pick? Hell no. No, right. no, no. I was thinking the other way around. I mean, if anything, I don't. Yeah, I'm just saying, like Bogdan. I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough putt for the Kings to trade away Bogdan Bogdanovich for a guy that they could have just picked with their pick had they not traded it away. <laughs> right. It, it for is nothing for. It let is. me be clear, but for nothing is yeah. what they traded that pick away for. Right. So. But yeah, I mean, that's. But you're getting four years younger there. Three years. Yeah. So that I mean, I think I might do that. Just straight up. I think I might do that. I mean, you throw back Swanigan in that deal um, or, yeah, cut him, I guess, or whatever. But, like, that's the roster spot he would, that Mike Scott would occupy. I mean, it kind of I mean, it, it kind of works. I mean, that, it works for me. It does. Honestly, I, I, I love Bogdan. I, I think that – oh, man, it's so tough because he's such, a, he's such a good player. But you're getting five years younger – you're getting a guy that's more versatile in terms of the positions he can play. Yes, you're losing a lot of creation, but five years younger, not the severe, the, the multiple surgeries on the 27-year-old knee. Um, man, I don't know. I, I think, and then like there is a financial aspect of that because even though the finances should not pre- prevent you from trading Bogdan, that's a serious boost to your cap space. You're getting about what, $15 million in cap space available each year the next three years. Right. Yeah, that one I can get behind. I, uh, it's definitely an interesting one. That was submitted on Twitter, by the way, at SportsFan2328 when we put out uh, asking for a couple of fake trades. So I've got a different version of Sixers-Kings trade here, and this one I would not do. But let's assume A – that the Sixers will not trade Thibault because they probably won't. In fact, I think they definitely won't because they wouldn't sign Bogdanovich. So why trade Thibault if you're not going to resign Bogdanovich? Right. So let's assume that. And then let's assume that the Kings are set. They're not trading. I mean, they're not resigning Bogdanovich. So with that assumption in mind, because this is a terrible trade, if you have even considering resigning Bogdanovich with that in mind, would you do Adams Sixer Adams trade oh God. with a first rounder? So it's Mike Scott, Zaire Smith, first-round pick, which is the Oklahoma City pick, notably, for Bogdan Bogdanovich and Caleb Swanigan. I mean, if you for sure are not bringing back Bogey, I guess I'm considering it. Um, I mean, Zaire hasn't even been able to break their rotation when they don't have much of a bench going on right now. Like... I know he's supposed to be this three and D prospect, but all he's shown is just some potential that seems somewhat out of reach. I would consider it, but I would definitely need to put it side by side along some of these other ones you could get back. Yeah, no, I agree. It's not a good trade. It's just, 
it's I, there. I'm going to add Sixers Adam over this because that is to say that, and then to say that it's going to be only a second rounder is is offensive. But right at the same time, so yeah. And here's the other thing: I just want to double check with this draft pick here. That first rounder is protected one through twenty. That Philadelphia would, or the OKC one that Philadelphia has, right? And it would become two seconds. So that's going to end up being two seconds. So that's a big no. Let's just right. So uh, <laughs> we talked about long-term Bagley fits, right? This was thrown at us on Reddit. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich for Kyle Kuzma, Troy Daniels, Quinn Cook, and a second-round pick. It's I really mean, Kyle Kuzma next to Bagley. It's just Kyle Kuzma. I mean, listen, like- I – I mean, there are very few players I enjoy more than Bogdan. There are very few that I enjoy less than Kyle Kuzma. But I got to be fair here. And again, if the if the supposition is that the Kings decide they will not re-sign Bogdan, then I guess it's a fine trade. Yeah, and then the year after, you're looking at signing Kuzma, who. I mean, you would hope is playing somewhat near a bogey level. And then you're paying him a nice little chunk where it's like, okay, you should have just paid Bogdanovich. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I don't like it. It only saves you one year. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah. Um, So I tried to play with something to land Drew Holiday. And... Yeah, that's that's more win now, obviously, and he really doesn't have that much of an age difference with Bogdanovich, surprisingly. Um, Drew Holiday, well, he's 29, so there's there's a little bit there, but Drew Holiday is an amazing player. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Trevor Ariza, and Caleb Swanigan for Drew Holiday and Kendrick Williams, and the Kings throw in a first. Does Does New Orleans even do that? Uh, give it, give me the, the names again. If they were getting, it's really Bogdanovich, Ariza, Swanigan, and a first. No, there's no way. That's not that. enough, right? No. And I mean, there's no way you give up two Sacramento firsts for a Drew Holiday. Then you're going like really trying to win right now. And then you're going 2020 with that one of those picks. Right. There's no way. There's it's no too way. much, right? Because. It doesn't make any sense to me, personally. I mean, and plus, Holiday's a terrible fit with this team. Right. It would mean, like, Buddy getting screwed out of some minutes here because, yeah, Fox and Buddy are the clear one-two there. Yeah. I, I kind of drew a line through Holiday just fit-wise. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess Holiday and Buddy works all right, and then Fox and Buddy obviously works, but then I don't see Fox and Holiday, and those would be the two best players on the team potentially, and they can't – they're not an ideal pairing. Right. Right. Yeah, that's that's fine by me. We had uh, Drew Holiday thrown at us a couple times, so I played with it there. My last one that I have for you here for Bogey, straight up, 
is, and again, if the Kings were set on moving on from Bogdanovich, it's Robert Covington straight up. Okay, so this is interesting because I had the exact same trade, but what did the Timberwolves want? Because that's not getting that's not accomplishing anything for the Timberwolves. Well, they need a point guard, and I think that Bogey could play that. Like right now, they're playing Jarrett Culver at their point. Okay, Jeff, so this Te- is Jeff a, Teague's off the books next year. This is a win now move for the Timberwolves. Right. This is the Timberwolves really pushing to make playoffs right now. I mean, their core of like, he would fit the sort of Wiggins timeline in a way. To me, that doesn't help the Timberwolves win now. Really? You I, think? Okay. Because I, I think that Teague is like, Teague and Culver, obviously, they're not good point guards, but. I think you could even you could find a passable point guard, and then I mean Robert Covington helps you win now. So, I and I I think he's more of a proven vet than Bogey to the point where I don't think trading straight up for Bogdan is is helping you win now necessarily. Interesting. Yeah, the reason that I would question it is because like I think that they would need Bogey to be that point guard and. Bogey has shown flash as a playmaking, but as the primary and number one playmaker, I'm not feeling the most confident with that. Right. I don't know that he's ever played point guard straight up in the NBA. Like, right. I mean, De'Aaron Fox was injured. And I, I know that, I mean, listen, we like a lot of what Corey Joseph brings, but Bogdan didn't get like a sniff of minutes at starting point guard. Yeah. Yeah, it seemed like Buddy was running some pick and rolls more than a bogey was at times this year. But yeah, that was a somewhat intriguing straight up one. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. But let's keep breaking this down because what does Minnesota want if, I mean, is there anything else Minnesota could want? Because I, it seems clear Covington is on the market. And he would be a very desirable draft pick. I mean, uh, I mean, would you consider trading a draft pick for him? Um, hmm. I don't know. Like, I, I Covington is so interesting because you think of him as like this elite three and D guy, but his defense, like on ball, is not great. He's a great help defender and off ball defender. I think he's absolutely elite in that regard, but his three point shooting isn't even quite what you expect it to be like 35% this year, 37% last year is nice, but that's really like one of his best years there. So he's not like as elite in that aspect that you think he is. Hasn't he shot like high thirties for the past several years? He has 35, 37, yeah, 39, 37, 37 pretty much so he's usually about that 37 mark i mean so yeah well i mean what one two three four the last four years in a row he shot at least 
36.9. Right. He's I just, never shot below 33.3. One down near 33.3. The rest of his career at least over 35. Right. I don't know if I give up a first. And, are you saying a first and Bogdanovich? No, this would be. Oh, that's different. Oh, no just a first for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. All right, so then let me. I'm trying to cook up how this would work. I mean, so I mean that would be like the Timberwolves selling. You know what I mean? I mean, this, right? Because you you approach it as Timberwolves buying. I'm trying to think if there's a Timberwolves selling. I mean, what if you trade them, Trevor Ariza, and a, and an unprotected first for Covington? That's really interesting. The money think, works. Yeah, and I think Covington is what you hoped you were getting from Ariza. Right. And to me, that was the other thing I had down there along with, you know, long-term partner for battling the front court. Right. That was to improve on Ariza. Oof. That one's nice. And I think that, I mean, a first from Sacramento unprotected could, I mean, that's a, that's a very valuable pick in Minnesota's point of view. If I mean, they are even... clearly not making it. If, they, if they're ready to fold their cards a little bit, because that's what they would be doing right? by giving up Covington for a straight-up pick. I mean, and this is the one that would have to go down to the trade deadline, essentially, to make sense. But, I mean, you might even be able to protect that a little bit. Maybe, you know, get top one, top three, top five protection on that. Yeah. Um, shoot. I definitely consider that one. Is there a ver- but so here's my other thing that I kept running into about this though. Say you trade for Covington, then re-signing Bogdanovich really does become an issue. Not this year huh. necessarily, but within the length of that contract, it becomes an issue. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting point because yeah, Covington has that about twelve million over uh, those two years after that. Which huh. is a, a beautiful figure, by the way. But I mean, you can for get himself, around it. right? For, yeah. I mean, that's a great deal on yeah. Covington. Um, you can get around that, I think. Like, you could find a way to dump Deadman or Corey Joseph after next year and kind of make that money back. I don't know. Right. Yeah, starts adding some complications. But, I mean, that is a very clear upgrade right there. And the first-round pick, I mean – how many minutes do you have for whoever you're drafting? Unless they are like happen to be this perfect fit, like we're saying at the center, or maybe even some wing depth. But like, how many how many minutes do you really have for the 11th to 16th pick? Right, and you know what? I don't know. I'm looking at it now. Covington's got three years, including this one. Bagley's got three years, including this one before his extension. You're not going to have financial problems. There, oh. Actually. Interesting. Good point. So it would be, I mean, you would at that point, you got to let Covington go, but he would be, you know, 31. You either got to let Covington go or find a, you know, find a way to jump off the Harrison Barnes ship. Right. Which I mean, I'm keep, I'm holding on to Barnes. I'm very comfortable with him being that three. So do you give up? I mean, say, you know, say the Timberwolves in a month, think that's sufficient and they say all right we'll give you Covington you got to leave the pick completely unprotected if Sacramento is looking like there's a lot of promise making that playoff seed that seven eight spot then I think so 
Yeah, I don't. I think I would too. I mean, if you top five protected it, it's a hundred percent. I mean, I guess you wouldn't even need top five protection at that point. Give me top three protection. Yeah, it's and then it's a done deal for me. Yeah, same here. Wow, that is an interesting one. That is a very interesting one. And then let's do one more version of this, where what if we kind of did a three-way trade? Is that it, would that be getting too crazy? Because we could give up Bogdanovich. He could go somewhere that could use him this year. You know what? I'm going to abandon that. We're not going to get in the top. <laughs> but there's not there's a, there's a kernel of an idea there where the Timberwolves could sell and not have to plan on re-signing Bogey and they can try to finesse for, like, D'Lo. Yeah. Huh. So, I mean, you could send Bogey to Philly, and then Philly could send picks. You know, Timberwolves could, could get picks. Covington comes to Sacramento. I don't know. Let's leave that. But that's a – I think that, yeah, a, a first a lightly protected first for Covington works for me very well. Ariza and a lightly protected first. Yeah, it definitely does for me too. As long as Sacramento looks like they are um, making the playoffs very likely at that point or fighting for it and comfortably somewhat at least like in that nine to eight, um, nine to seven range where it really feels like they can make that jump, then yeah, I, I'm definitely leaping in with that one too. And and we'll put out a poll for this one tomorrow on the KP Twitter as well because I'm curious to see what everybody thinks of this one. I like it. So what other what other ones do you got here? Because there's a few I have that are just basic that you could fit in a couple different places where if the Kings became sellers with like Bielitsa and Ariza. I've got one more bogey trade. Does everyone wants the Bucks to get buggy for some reason, and it's frustrating to me, and I think it's stupid. But again, if if the Kings decided they're going to give him up, would you take Dante DiVincenzo in the first round pick uh, from Indiana from the Bucks? I looked at this. Um, I mean, you're losing Bogdanovich no matter in this hypothetical then I think it, I like it better than the Zaire Smith. Um, but, I mean, it's still not ideal. That's like a – that really feels like, okay, there's no way that we're going to be able to sign this guy and almost just like dumping Bogdanovich in that case. Like I'd almost rather play out the year with him. And, hmm, yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. You can just play out the year and try to do a sign-and-trade. That's a good point, and I don't dislike it at all. The only problem there is if you make that decision, you're probably going to be out of the playoffs anyway. Or pre- I mean, maybe you try to make a, a, you know, an all-out run for the eighth seed, and then but you just know Bogdanovich is going to go. But you could also, if you're out of it, that's when you go, all right, we know we're not signing by Vanovich. Let's recoup value for him now and improve our draft position. Right. Yeah. But that I don't like that either. It's not much better. It's better than the Philly nonsense. But you could get yeah. that in. I mean, you could get a legit, like, you know, pick 24 and even Chenzo, you know, use Ilya Sobot to match. Don't love it. I'm 
I'm done with bogey trades, really. I, I kind of like DJ Wilson better than DiVincenzo there, even though DiVincenzo has shown a little bit more. Yeah, I think DiVincenzo could have some potential as a pairing with Bagley. I, I've liked his the bits of flashes I've seen from him defensively and shown somewhat of an ability to knock down a three ball. Yeah, I like I do. I mean, I like him as well. I don't like him quite as much in terms of this trade just simply because I was looking for another shooting guard to come back or a wing to come back. Right. That you could reasonably say, hey, Dante's cheaper, younger. We think we can get out of him something like we got out of Bogey, plus we get a first rounder. But I mean, I think you could probably get both if you, you know, if you put there, if they really, that's Milwaukee. I mean, you could probably get both out of them and tell them you're going to get a championship with Bogey. You're going to get a chance to undo what you, the stupid mistake you did of letting Brogdon go yeah. for no reason. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I think that that one is – it's interesting to me, uh, assuming, like we said, obviously, that Bogdan is on his way out. Um, and so in regards to really just dumping Ariza to a team that feels like they he could make them better now, um, which, you know, is going to be a little bit of a stretch and you're not getting the most back. But the one that was interesting to me was Dallas. I think that Dallas could use a guy that they feel like could have a chance of guarding, like, and this is a chance, you know, he has the build for it of guarding, you know, a LeBron Kawhi PG because they're going to be seeing him in the playoffs. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Right. I mean, they have Finney Smith who is okay there, but you could use two of those, you know, Ariza's not great here, but you know, all you're getting back. Courtney Lee, an expiring contract, and a second-round pick. And that's – what's the point of that? Literally because my thought is, okay, we don't want to raise on this team anymore. We're going to give his minutes to Justin James. Okay. So th- this is like a trade deadline, the Kings have right. lost 10 in a row type scenario. Yeah. Like This is, the, this is if the Kings become sellers were the okay. few trades I had left. Okay. Unfortunately, it's just like what the Kings have four second round picks already. I mean, is that going to do right. anything? You almost would rather have a 2021 at that point. But yeah. But yeah. And then maybe, yeah, like you said, they already have four. You could try to package those, I guess, for to move up to like a first or something. But I mean, I don't know yeah. what's going to bite on that. I looked at, into that through the Rockets trade that you mentioned with uh, Nene. Nene, uh, I don't, I'm so bad. Uh, Nene, I looked into it. So he's going to count as 10 million in outgoing and incoming salary, but he's not available to trade until January 15th. Yeah. But it's doable at that point. And it, he would work straight up for Ariza. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, they've got a late enough first that you could probably throw, you know, give us. Give us your first. We'll throw you two seconds, right. three seconds. Yeah, that's interesting. And then, you know, Houston is so always so desperately in need of adding minimum players that they probably would actually want second-round picks. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I think that – yeah, I, I could get behind that one. And Yeah, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where you don't really want to trade up like that. Like, I honestly don't know – what the calculus on that is is the number 30 
pick really more valuable than the number 31 pick? Probably not because of the, the nature of the deals. Uh, I mean, even like the 35th pick, Houston feels like they would definitely want the 35th pick in that scenario. But Right. So but yeah. I guess to go through the second round picks that, that uh, the Kings have, they have their own second. They have Detroit second, Miami second, and then the less favorable of Golden State or Houston's. So Houston second. So the Miami and the Golden State slash Houston second, those feel like they're not going to be very valuable. They're going to be like, right. you know, 45th or later for sure. More like 50th or later. Uh, so, I mean, if they're willing to give up a first for – I'll give them – I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's tough, right? I mean, or what if you give them the other two? You give them the Kings and the Pistons second-rounders for their first and Ariza. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm all for it. That, I kind of like that. Maybe you're giving up the 40th and the 45th pick for the the 27th. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that that works for me. You have a really good point, too, with Houston liking those minimum contracts and really needing those to fill out the roster. Is there anyone that you would take, like, what if you just did a straight swap? Like, instead of picks there, you're going, hey, we like Daniel House. and We'll take him. You're going to throw him in. Ariza can take his minutes, but we're not playing – I mean, if Austin Rivers didn't have a no-trade class, (laughs) (laughs) you were asking for it here. Are you kidding me? What do you want me to say? Austin Rivers, Ben McElmore, you know. No, uh, Gary Clark has a little bit of interest to me. Uh, I've I've thought that he's played some nice defense in the opportunities that he's had. But, yeah, I mean, Gary Clark, Daniel House are the two that stand out, and I think they really like House. Yeah, I, I I know that Sanjesh really likes House, and he's going to be a guest. Sanjesh of STR, Saturn Realty, I, he's planning on being a guest sometime this holiday season, and he can maybe get in some two cents on that. But is there anything other specific to Ariza? Because I kind of want to do the same thing for Deadman. No, that's uh, no, that's that's it for the most part. There, what do you got for Deadman here? So he's kind of the same situation, right? Like he's the center version of Ariza right now on this team. Maybe even his stock is lower. Yeah, my issue with trading Deadman right now is that like this is the all-time low for his stock. Like yeah. I, I just – I mean, I have to think that this man will remember how to play basketball. Like I don't understand this. It is still – I am still trying to hang on to hope here. Like it feels wrong to trade Deadman right now. I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, in, in terms of like what he's uh, his ability, like is, is he replaceable right now? Sadly, yes. But no, I totally agree. There is no sensible trade for Deadman because a if Deadman becomes what he is supposed to be again, there's no team that needs him more than the Kings. First of all, b he's got multiple years on his deal. No one is going to respect that no one's going to look at that and be like yeah that's good we're cool with that it's and like you're you're saying you're right selling so low but our boy john catterson uh i brought up to me recently that he was trying to find a trade partner for him and he thinks that there is trade value i don't agree right now but um and i don't want to 
blow up his spot too much, but he just he he asked me if you know what I thought about the Celtics as a destination. So I just wanted to run that past you real quick. I know they've got issues at center. Is there any part of you? Listen, this is your two your two worlds <laughs> are cool. they're colliding right now, Brendan. What's the best deal you could get together in your head between the Celtics and the Kings for Dwayne Dedman? Well, the Celtics are screwed with their money situation in regards to making these trades. Like so many Celtics people are pushing for this, but you know, Kemba and Gordon are max contracts. Jalen and Jason are just not going to get moved. And then Marcus Smart is your tradable deal at $12.5 million. He's not going to be part of this trade. Um, and then what? Like your packaging. I mean, do you really want like Ennis Cantor, Grant Williams, and, you know, like Shemi Ojale or something? I mean, do I personally know? Right. I, I don't think that that the Celtics cap situation has them pretty screwed here. Like the tradable contract is Marcus smart. He's not going to go anywhere to me. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, you'd have to package some of these other borderline guys, which between, you know, if you're interested in Cantor, Grant Williams, Robert Williams, Ojale, like it's all these borderline guys. All right. Well, let me ask you this. The Celtics, you know, they've got three first round picks. What if, what if you do Deadman for Tice, Cantor? Here, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. You do Tice, Cantor, and Langford, or any rookie you, you don't really want. I mean, Langford, I know, is a lottery pick, so you can, you can downgrade that a little bit. Sure. You can go to to Carson Edwards. I mean, even him. Yeah. You can go. I mean, Robert Williams. How about that? I, I don't know. But you, you do Tice, Cantor, in a small contract uh, for Deadman, and then you can throw in, I mean, I'm going to say it, uh, Harry Giles. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, it's, I know it's sad. I know it's sad. But, like, I mean, this is – I would never – He's a throw-in at this point. But at least you would be keeping him in your heart, safe, <laughs> safe in, in Boston. <laughs> and then, like, all four second-round picks, and then we try to get that Milwaukee first. Out of, Shoot, out of Milwaukee first is just a, the first, the last first round pick, anyways. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, right? Is that does that work at all? Um, man, this is difficult because I'm holding out hope so much in Deadman, but like Tice has been the only serviceable center for the Celtics. So if Deadman Deadman didn't pan out and really is just what he's been for Sacramento, then Boston is really screwed there. Um. So it would just take having faith that Deadman returned to that Atlanta form that we saw in his last what, 40, 50 games there. So I don't think I would do it because of – unless Deadman started to show a little bit of promise of potentially returning to form. But then I don't know why Sacramento would do it if that was the case, if he started to show – that he could return. So I don't think I would because there's just too much risk on you need Deadman to come back at that point. I agree. I, I'm done. I, I don't know why we went down this rabbit hole. Dwayne Deadman's untradeable right now for every possible. It's rough. Yeah. Yeah. He just, uh, yeah, he's the biggest, what the hell is going on in the league to me. So, what else do you got here? I have like some random dump 
for Bielitsa that you're just getting second round picks. I mean, does that really do anything for you? Uh, yeah, I mean, run us through that just because I, that's kind of where we're at in this conversation. We did Ariza, we did Deadman, we tried to do Deadman. Give us anything else you got for this, these kind of smaller moves. Yeah, I, I mean, so I looked at San Antonio. I think that he would be a good replacement for kind of what they had for Bertans. I think they could really use the spacing. And then you just really hope to get an expiring guy back, which would be Bellinelli. That those deals work, and then you throw the return. in, yeah, and then you the throw two second round picks. Oh yeah, Sacramento would be thrilled to have Bellinelli back. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, whatever. Yeah, like you're right. I mean, like there's no scenario where we're just getting into this Ariza situation again. Right, it's not exciting. You can dump no. any any decent player on this team for a second round pick. But yeah, let's just say that and. Yeah, and that issue Jesus. is that there are so many second-round picks already. <laughs> I threw my hands into the air so violently that I smashed <laughs> them against the mic. I heard that. <laughs> okay, so recap here. What were the best ones that we came up with? What was the first one you dropped on us? Miles Turner. Oh, I got more. Oh, got you more. got more. Okay. I just We were in that neighborhood of, of you know dumping guys, so I wanted to just run through any of those scenarios. Okay. What else you got here? Yeah, I got more. I got two more. I, one is this one's real. This one to me is real. Uh, and I actually like it a lot. All right. Let's hear this. It. This is if the Kings are going to be buyers. All right. So this is trade deadline. Kings are sitting in the seven seed, but there's this big mish- mishmash of Portland, San Antonio, you know, sitting there behind them. Um, the Thunder are going to have to be kind of out of it because this trade is going to be with the Thunder. All right. Okay. So say, say the Thunder are down, way down in the standings, but the Kings are in it with the mix of teams and they could easily fall out of it. But one, one key player could get them in it. All right, here's the deal. Danilo Gallinari mm-hmm. to the Kings for, and the money works on this, Trevor Ariza, Nemanja Bielitsa and a lottery protected first round pick 2020. Hmm. That's really interesting. Um, I mean, it's definitely an upgrade. Yeah. And there's one year on that uh, Gallo deal, right? It's only one year at the end of the year, it's going to expire and the Kings would be unlikely to retain him or they might retain him over, Bogdan Bogdanovich at that point, but who knows what the Kings would do. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I think this is a one-year rental of Gallinari, and I think that the price that you pay for it is a lottery-protected first-round pick. Key oh, on that, right? because here's the deal. You either make the playoffs with Gallinari, or you you get a first – you know, you get a – you're not losing. Two seconds or something. Shit. Yeah, and you have that deferred to two seconds. So, you know, at the end of the year, you either got a playoff spot or you keep your pick and you, you made a hell of a go at it. You, all you lost was Ariza, Bielitsa, and a late first. That's interesting. I didn't catch that you said lottery protected the first time around. That makes me do it. If it's not lottery protected, then I'm against that. But Definitely. This would be a hard lottery protection. Right. Hmm. Why not? I mean... Like like we said, I don't know where you find these minutes for this first round pick, and I think that the playoff experience would be just as value 
bowl for this young core that you have set. Like we, ha- the Kings have the core that they need to move forward with that could potentially get them to competing in the Western Conference. So getting them that playoff experience is going to be just as valuable as bringing on the 12th, 13th pick in the draft. Yeah, this works for me so well. And you make it immediately, immediately defers to two seconds because it's right. only this one year for Gallinari. So it's not like next year they could get a you know a lottery pick or even whatever. It's like it instantly turns into two seconds or even three seconds. Like because fuck it, the Kings have every second known to man. But right. you just make it so it's no longer it's it's you know it's we'll give you we'll give up the, that first if we get in the playoffs. Otherwise, it's off. Yeah, and that one is just very reliant on how the rest of this year kind of shakes out with OKC really competing with Sacramento for one of those spots. But Gallo, I mean, OKC seems like just a place of having so many assets. I mean, so many players that they're trying to turn into assets. They also have a bunch of assets already. But Gallo seems like the guy that they would be looking to move there. I mean, if they can't get a first round pick from another team, a guaranteed first round pick from you know, Portland, Utah, one of those, one of those uh, borderline teams that are really trying to go all in. I think that this could be interesting for OKC as well. I like it. So last two comments here. First, Kevin Love is untradeable. I've looked at it. It, it would be such a disaster to take that <laughs> deal. And I recently heard how Zach Lowe was saying that there's been talks about Kevin Love, but so far, every team wants a first-round pick for taking Kevin Love, right. and the Cavs would not do that, obviously. So they're stuck with him, I think. But Kevin here's Love the- just uh, just had some craziness happen to him too with John Moran, don't you know? Did was he the dude that he jumped over? Oh my God! That yes, yes, my lord, my Oof. lord, the nuts to face situation. <laughs> it really was. It really was. <laughs> we get to see that tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, that was wild. <laughs> um, but I'm going to give one more name here, and this one is much respect due, much love and respect due to Tim Maxwell, frequent guest. Uh, Blake Griffin is a guy that Tim has called out a bunch. Now, listen, here's the deal. And it, it, the, you tell me if this is insane or not. This was the ickiest one. I don't like it. I wouldn't do it. Rich, whatever you're like, listen, listen, that I know it's about to be something crazy. <laughs> it's Blake Griffin for Ariza, Bogdanovich, and Bielitsa. And no, no picks. And assuming, this is basically assuming the Kings, you know, are done with Bogdanovich. And, you know, here's the beauty of it. For the, here's the beauty of it for the Pistons. This is, I know it's stupid. Let me explain it though. Ariza has a non guarantee for next year. Bogdanovich is expiring. Bielitsa has a non guarantee. The Pistons can hand us Blake Griffin and wipe their hands clean. Right. It's Griffin for Bogdanovich. I mean, it's Griffin for nothing. I mean, I, I mean, I guess that they would at that point definitely resign Bogdanovich, but I guess it is Griffin for Bogdanovich. It's a good point. Hmm. I mean, the Griffin thing kind of terrifies me with his injuries. Like, yeah, he's out again. Yeah. And I mean, as great as he started playing before that, like last year in Detroit, especially, I, I think that he was ridiculous as a playmaker unexpectedly and took a big leap that way. I 
just don't see the fit. Like, yeah. <sighs> the man is old. He is weary. His body is broken. Always injured. He is so paid. I'll say that it's kind of nice that his contract would expire just before Bagley's would need to be renewed. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Tim Tim is, like, really into this idea for some reason. Not, like, that it would be good for the Kings, but just that he thinks that it's, like, a very Kings type of move. Right. I mean, if Bogdanovich – I mean, clearly it's you, you, you're not paying Bogdanovich. And, I mean <laughs> – if Blake wasn't getting hurt left and right, I could maybe get behind it a little bit here. But even then, like, I mean, how is this fit with Bagley? Like, two ball-dominant guys, which Griffin's not playing great defense himself. Yeah, I, I don't like it. I'm out. I'm out. I don't know. I just had to throw something out there. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, I guess. It does feel very Kings. I mean, Tim is not wrong about that. No, he's not. But – what we're so yeah let's just let's wrap it up we've been recording for over an hour now i'm sure people are tired of us we want to go celebrate the thanks you know what am i saying thanksgiving celebrate christmas with their families and all that uh what were the best trades any of these trades that you really that have stuck with you and you like um your covington ariza in a first that was interesting to me i like that yeah and then maybe the the gallinari if they're buying with the the caveat of the lottery protection. Right. Right. With the lottery protection for sure. And, uh, and then I do get interested by your miles Turner one at the beginning a little bit. It's completely buck wild. It is. If we had to trade Bogdanovich, that's the trade. I mean, they're not going to, they're right. not going to be into it. And the Kings don't have to trade Bogdanovich is the reality of it. That's the reality of it. Merry Christmas. You get to keep Bogdan Bogdanovich. That's there you it. go. That's going to do it. And happy 22nd birthday to De'Aaron Fox, by the way. Happy birthday, Mr. De'Aaron Fox. But yeah, that's going to do it. Right? That's it, man. Merry Christmas. Um, yeah. Uh, what are you getting for Christmas this year? Uh, I don't know. Actually, one thing I do know is that I'm getting that Kings pass and going to be at a couple games this year. Booyah. There we go. I will see you there. And anyone else that is going to be there, DM me on Twitter. Let's meet up. Let's hang out at the games. But that's going to do it. Let us know what trades that you liked from this. We'll post some of them on our Twitter as well and gauge how the fan base is feeling about it. Got some interesting ones thrown in here. But that is going to do it for this episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. Thank you to everybody for listening, and you'll hear from us again in the next couple days.